Welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help leaders go further faster. On today's podcast, we're going to explore a challenge that most leaders face, but few see coming. Andy, one of the things most leaders have in common is well, that they're future focused. They're, they're constantly on to the next challenge or, or looking for the next opportunity. And for the most part, this is a great ability, but it can create a challenge for leaders too, right? It can create a huge challenge because, again, we're so forward-focused. In our wake, there's often relational chaos, sometimes financial chaos, oftentimes organizational chaos, systems chaos. There's all kinds of chaos because we can't, you know, once we're finished with what's in front of us, we're on to the next thing. And I, I think a lot of things drives that beyond simply somebody um, who's designed to be a leader. I think, you know, we're trying to please somebody. We're trying to satisfy some inner mm-hmm. hunger, some inner desire trying to make our dads happy, um, just some inner demon or we're fear, fear of poverty, fear of insignificance. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that drive leaders, again, so far into the future that they don't pause to celebrate or to take care of things, you know, on, on home base. What can leaders do to, to keep from being so future focused that it causes problems in their current environment? It's a great question, and it's a constant tension. We've talked about tensions to manage. This is definitely a tension leaders have to manage. And I think the the short answer that we'll elaborate on is simply this. All of us in leadership need to create a rhythm in which we're looking ahead while at the same time looking around. We're looking ahead. That's what energizes us is mm-hmm. looking ahead, but at the same time, pausing to look around us. Looking ahead energizes us because it's about the future. Looking around us is what enables us to create an environment, whether it's financial or relational, emotional, whatever, an environment that allows us to support and to sustain the success that we're so excited about in terms of, of moving forward. So it's looking ahead and looking around, looking ahead and looking around. Looking ahead is not a problem. That's mm-hmm. where we live. It's pausing and creating a rhythm or even in some cases the discipline to stop and look around. How do you do that? To begin with, leaders need to put in writing a description of their preferred future, not, not simply goals. Most leaders have goals, but an actual description, maybe three or four sentences of what they want the future to look like. Um, again, most leaders, this isn't a goal. Most leaders have goals and sub-goals. In fact, I went to a class one time. It was a half-day class on how to set goals, and I decided my goal was not to adopt that system <laughs> because I'm not an elaborate goal setter. But I, I think in order to d- develop this rhythm, and this will make more sense in a few minutes, the beginning, the, the starting point is a very, very clearly defined picture of what do I want the future to look like. Some of our listeners may wonder why you would suggest this to a group that is already so future-oriented as to be overly preoccupied with it. Can you yeah. explain that? Yeah, and, and here's why, and that's, I'm glad you asked that, because progress is an appetite, or the hunger for progress is an appetite, which means it's never fully and finally satisfied. There's never enough progress. There's never big enough. There's never further enough. There's never it, – it, it just goes on and on and on. So what happens is when leaders don't have a clear picture of what the future looks like, it's just more and more and more and mm. more and more and more and more and more and more and more. So part of developing the rhythm of looking ahead while looking around is to clearly define exactly what am I looking ahead to, exactly – not where's the finish line, but what is a preferred future in terms of organization, in terms of a career, and, and, and you know whatever person's involved with. I think most of us in leadership have this nagging sense of we haven't done enough, we we haven't accomplished enough. Mm -hmm. In fact, Sandra would tell you there's been so many times (laughs) I would look at her and say, you know, I don't think I've really done anything significant with my life. 
<laughs> and she just looks at me and says, are you crazy? And she starts listing all of this stuff. I'm going, I know, I know, I know. But there just seems to be, you know, I need to do something really big or, or really important or make a difference or change the world. And I think that's a good thing. I think in some ways that's the thumbprint of God on the heart of the leader. But because of that, if we haven't clearly defined what it is we're trying to do, the thing in us that wants to do more is what drives us so far into the future in terms of our thinking and our passion, we, we lose sight of what's happening around us. So this whole rhythm of looking ahead and looking around, looking ahead and looking around, it begins with a clearly defined picture of what is the future that I'm trying to create. Because if I don't make it clear, it's never going to be enough and I'll never feel like I've done enough. So to some degree, is it a focus thing? It's, it really is all about focus because just in my context, as a Christian leader, as a pastor, I haven't been simply called to do a lot of things, not even a lot of good things. I've been called to operate my gifts within the sphere that I'm called to operate my gifts within. If, if I don't stay focused on that, again, who's, I've, there are no causes that I think shouldn't be addressed. There are no hungry people that shouldn't be fed. There are no, no poor people that shouldn't be housed. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So to your point, if I'm willing and able to sit down and focus my calling or my leadership gifts and skills, focus them within the sphere that I operate or that I work in, then I get a clearer picture. There's far less frustration. And then, and this is key, then there is the margin to not simply look ahead but to look around. Then I give myself permission not simply to grade myself on my ability or um, my capacity to change the world. I can then begin to grade myself within the sphere that I've been called to operate my leadership gift in and the world around me that's the context from which I operate as a leader. And to your point, Andy, since it's an appetite, 10 more things or even 100 more things wouldn't wouldn't satisfy it. Exactly. It's never satisfied. That's why I need to draw a circle and say, this is the realm in which I'm going to lead. This is the realm in which I'm going to accomplish things. Mm. This is the realm in which I'm going to measure my success as a leader. If I don't have that clearly defined, again, you know, my inclination, I think for many leaders, the inclination, it's so much about what mm. hasn't been done yet that I, you know, I basically drive myself crazy. And again, I'm trying to satisfy an appetite that is never, ever fully and finally satisfied. Okay, once they've written a preferred future, what's next? Three things, three gauges that every leader needs to pay attention to that I believe keeps us grounded in our current environment in a healthy way. Number one is their health. Number two, the emotional gauges of the people that are most important to them. Family? Yep, family. And then third, they need to ask this question on a regular basis. And this goes back to what I said earlier. Why am I doing this? Pause. Really? Why am I doing this? Really, so it's about the it's the health gauge, it's the emotional gauges of the people that that I love the most that are closest to me, and then this question: Why am I doing this? Really, I think those three things ground us in the current and, and give us again the capacity or the potential to create a healthy environment around us now while we think about what we want to accomplish in the future. Okay, let's dig into these individually. I think I'm going to regret this, but let's talk about the first one. Yeah. Health. Yeah. Yeah. Ignore your body and you undermine your own future. It's that simple. Mm. You know, you ignore your body, you ignore your health, we ignore our health, and we undermine our own future, our own potential to do the things that, you know, we want right. to do in the future. I saw a cartoon recently. It's actually in the gym where I exercise, and it's a doctor in an examining room with a patient, and the doctor is saying to the patient, he says this, he says, so, Mr. Thompson, <laughs> what works better for your schedule, exercising one hour a day 
or being dead 24 hours a day. <laughs> you know, what, what works better with your schedule? And that's our problem. For many of us and, and for many in our audience who are not taking care of their health, it's right. all about discipline and it's all about schedule. So you just need to remember this. If you ignore your health, you undermine your own future. And all those things that are so important and need to be accomplished, and whether it's recognition or your self-esteem or money or whatever it might be, you know, you're working against yourself when you don't take care of your health. And the challenge is, Health is about right now. Mm. Um, The discipline of eating properly and exercise, it's about right now. It it, it is so right now that, again, those of us that are, you know, inclined to think about tomorrow, it's an an easy thing to ignore or to to neglect. So do you think this is harder for leaders? No, that's a great question because, you know, as I was was thinking about this discussion – and I don't know if half and half is, is exactly accurate, but I know many, many high-profile leaders who are very, very disciplined in this area. In fact, they're gym rats. I mean, people don't know just how incredibly disciplined they are. And at the same time, I, I meet people who are equally as successful that would say, I don't have time, I travel too much, my schedule doesn't allow it, and they totally ignore this. So I don't think this is, this is something that um, – more leaders struggle with than not, but it's something that you have to pay attention to and that every leader needs to pay attention to or they're not going to be around to enjoy the, you know, the fruit of their labor. Because let's face it, you can't have a productive future without a physical body. It's, it's impossible. You've got to be there. And for those in our audience who, who love to exercise and take care of their, their bodies, they know this as well. It's as much a mental thing as it is a physical thing. In fact, I exercise regularly, and I don't know if it's doing anything for me physically. <laughs> but, there, you know, there's such a mental release that I think all of us who live with a lot of pressure um, need. And, you know, Lane, for, for anybody who's not taking care of their, their body, who's listening, who's not paying attention to their health, you need to understand this. To ignore your health is, is the equivalent of saying to your spouse and to your kids, hey, I'm not going to take care of my body now, but I sure as heck expect you to take care of my body later. Think about that. I'm not going to take care of my health now. And when I pay the price for that later, I'm expecting you to take care of the body that I didn't take care of. So if you're listening and you're not about to slow down and you're not going to eat right and you're not going to exercise, you need to go home tonight and tell your husband or wife, gather your kids, maybe your grandkids and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to take care of my body, but I'm expecting you to take care of my body later. And if you're not willing to do that, then you need to slow down again, not look so much into the future, not keep looking ahead. It's time to stop and look around. Your dad actually set a, a great example for you in this area. Yeah. He, back in the 60s, he became like a health freak. I mean, back, I mean, nobody was doing this. I mean, vitamins, he ate right. He's always had a treadmill. He's always mm-hmm. exercised. And I think for all of us who hear stories like that, we think, well, that's the kind of leader I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. But in order to have that kind of future, you can't just look ahead. You've got to stop and look around. The second thing you mentioned is the emotional gauges of those you love. Yeah. You know, one of the things we talked about three months ago on the podcast was the question, what story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? And again, nobody wants to tell a story of a broken home. Mm. Nobody wants to tell the story of a busted up marriage. Nobody wants to tell the story of estranged children. Nobody wants to tell the story of I rarely see my grandchildren. I mean, nobody wants to tell that story. So for the leader who's always looking ahead and never looking around, unfortunately, if they're not learning, if they're not 
stopping and pausing to pay attention to the emotional gauges of the people that are closest to them. It's not going to be a story they're proud of. It's not going to be a story they want to tell, which means whatever it looks like in you know, a listener's life, there's a time where you've got to learn to pay attention mm. to what's happening in the lives and the hearts of your children and your spouse. You've got to pay attention to what's going on in your marriage, and you've got to be willing to stop long enough not not simply out of discipline, but out of love for your family to invest in what are the most important relationships in, in a person's life. Andy, this seems to be the one that it just trips up a lot of leaders. Yeah, and, and I understand that. Um, as leaders, we like immediate feedback. We like things we can count. We like spreadsheets. We love progress. And we love cycles. We love sales cycles. Um, we like attendance patterns. Um, we think in terms of quarters. And, and the problem is when it comes to family, or not the problem, but the challenge when it comes to family is there's not a quarterly uh, report. Right. Um, in fact, and there's not even a sales cycle. There's really just one big cycle. You know, your kids are children once then they're teenagers once, and then they're college students once, and then they're gone once, and then they have their own first marriage. And you only get to do this one time. Mm. And there's no redos. They're second families. Mm-hmm. And I have you know several friends, lots of friends, you know, people who are have second families. But when you peel away the layers, they look back with a sense of pain because oftentimes there's estrangement from kids in first marriages, um, even grandkids. Mm. And again, they, they would say, well, I've, I've done better the second time, but that's a painful story to tell. And, and they would be the first to say, you, there's really just one big cycle. And if you're not paying attention on the front end, there's, there's really not a redo. So again, you know, it's all, you know, we love to look ahead, but we've got to look around. And part of looking around is pausing and learning and developing the skills through our own personalities, through the rhythms of our life. How do I pay attention to the, the emotional gauges, the heart gauges of my children and what's going on in my marriage? And again, anyone who's been through a long, protracted, expensive divorce would tell you the time and the effort and the emotional energy spent in a divorce, if they could take all of that time and energy and emotion mm-hmm. and layer it back into the marriage, you know, right. in the years that preceded that, it would be a fair, it would be a more than fair trade-off because it's so painful. So again, um, we love the future. We love things we can count. Family, it, it's the law of the harvest. It, you can't cram for a good relationship. Mm-hmm. You can't stay up doing all-nighter for like you can for a, a report. For marriage and for family, it, it's the law of the harvest. You you sow and you sow and you sow and you sow and you sow. And when your kids are adults, you reap. And um, I think for you and I, this is so important because we're both in a stage of life where we are reaping the, the benefits of years and years and years of not being perfect fathers by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Just ask Sandra and Tracy. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, somebody taught both of us this when we were young and when we were early on in our parenting careers mm-hmm. and, and as husbands. So now, you know, we have kids in our, you know, late teens and 20s, and we enjoy those adult relationships with mm-hmm. them. And I, I want that for my kids. I want that for all of our listeners. But you can't cram for that. You can't stay up all night and prepare for that. That is one big, long cycle of sowing and reaping. And leaders who get this right are leaders who aren't simply looking ahead. They are leaders that are looking around and willing to pay the price. And it's not really even a price. It's an investment for a future of, you know, adult relationships with their kids and a healthy relationship with their spouse. Andy, let me just push back a little bit because maybe this is just intuitive for us and and not for other people. Well, I, clearly not every leader has the same skill level, relationally, emotional intelligence, all those sorts of things. But here's what I know about everybody listening to our podcast. And here's what's true of every leader. Leaders learn what they need to know in order to do what they need to do. 
That's what makes a leader a leader. We learn what we need to know. We learn what we don't know in order to do what we need to do. So for the man or the woman who pauses and you know decides, okay, today I'm not going to look into the future. I'm not going to look ahead. I'm going to look around. And they recognize things aren't great with my son or my daughter. Things are not great at home. Leaders know how to get the information they need. Leaders know how to develop the skills that are needed to do what needs to be done. And when family surfaces as a greater priority, when they begin to turn that up or decide to turn that up in the mix, not because they have to or they're supposed to, they want to. Again, every single person listening wants a healthy relationship. They want to want to go home. They want a healthy adult relationship with their kids someday. So consequently, where it might be easier for some than others, all of us know how to discover what we need to discover in order to do what's important to us. So there's really no excuse. While it's easier for some than others, there's really no excuse. Again, this is why it's a rhythm. It's looking ahead, looking around, looking ahead, looking around. Okay. For those who are looking to learn, any tips for them in this area? <laughs> well, here's a couple. and None of these are original. Um, husbands, listen to your wives and wives, listen to your husbands when it comes to this because opposites attract. And in right. every marriage, there's generally somebody who's more relationally intuitive than the other. This happens in our marriage all the time where Sandra will say, and she'll name one of our kids, I think, you know, Allie or Garrett needs more of your attention. I, you know, she sees that. Right. And you know what? Every time she brings something like that to my attention on the inside, I bristle a little bit. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, I, I, I know, I, you know, I got it going on. And it's that, you know, the, the internal struggle with, with authority. Um, but I've learned my relationships with my kids are better if I listen to what my wife has to say. And that's not a male versus female. It just generally in most relationships, there's going to be somebody who's more relationally in tune. And those of us who aren't need to learn to listen to those who are. The other thing in this regard, and again, we could spend so much time on this, is to develop routines and traditions. Uh, you cannot eat dinner around the table too much. Mm. In fact, I am convinced there is no substitute for dinner at home. I, I mean, vacations are great. You know, Disney World's great. You know, all that stuff's great. But there is no substitute for dinner around the table at home. You, you just can't do that too much. And in terms of routines and traditions, uh, that's huge. And that leads us to the final thing you say is necessary to, to stay grounded while pressing forward. And that's to ask the question, why am I doing this really? Yes, this is a very, very important question. And the, and the reason is we are all masters of self-deception. And maybe leaders are the masters of the masters of self-deception because we're generally so persuasive. That's, that's why we're leading. And so what happens is we get emotionally wrapped up with an opportunity, purchase a company, take this new position, even if it means uprooting our family, whatever it might be. We get emotionally engaged with something in the future, and then we tell our brains, hey, go find some justification. And because we're generally smart, we can come up with justification for really just about anything. It's why half America is driving a car they can't afford. Yep. And why credit card debt is the way it is. And for many people, it's how they got into their mortgages that they can't afford. Again, they got emotionally involved with something and then they found a way to justify it. Well, because self-deception is reality, it's never, ever going to go away. This is a very important question. Why am I doing this Really, not what is the justification I've come up with, not what are the three reasons I gave my husband or my wife, or not what is it I came up with in the car driving home to tell our kids why we're going to have to move again, but really, why am I doing this really? And I think that causes us to pause in the moment, pull ourselves out of our future orientation, and not simply look ahead, but look around. So wrapping up, 
to stay grounded while leaning into the future. First, define the future. Right. Then keep an eye on three things. Number one, their health. Number two, the emotional gauges of the people most important to them. Right. And then lastly, they need to regularly ask, why am I doing this? Really. And if you do that, if we do that, we create a rhythm that allows us to continue to look ahead while at the same time looking around. And the payoff is what we accomplish in the future, not only will it be more significant, we will enjoy it more because we will be enjoying it with the people we love the most.